Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. have had this experience, haven't you? You know, the experience when you're leaving on the jet plane, especially when it's Southwest. And you don't want anybody to sit by you. How many of you are like me? You don't want anybody to sit by you. There you go. Give it up for all of us unsocial people. Here's the deal. I don't want anybody to sit by me. I like the aisle seat so that way I can kind of stretch out the legs a little bit more. And I will do everything possible. Number one, everything possible to make sure that people don't sit by me. Number one, do not make eye contact (laughs) with anybody getting on the plane. Am I right? The only step I will not go to is um, the, the Doritos commercial. I don't know if you've seen it or not. The guy actually is clipping his toenails. That's called disgusting. I will not go that far, but pretty much whatever it takes to make sure that somebody does not sit by me. And then it happens. Somebody ends up sitting by me. And this last year, it happened. I was on one of those full flights, but the whole thing about a full flight is they only tell you last minute, oh, by the way, it's a full flight. I didn't know it was a full flight yet. So I'm doing all of my diversion tactics, trying to make sure nobody sits by me. Somebody came in and sat down by the window seat. That's fine. That's good. We got space. I don't have to talk to you. But meanwhile, it was the last person getting on the plane. By the way, this is a full flight. Well, thank you for telling me now. So sure enough, she comes in and she sits down right in the middle of us. And I got to tell you, when it was all said and done, um, it was one of those people you do not want sitting by you. (laughs) She got there and I think she felt more comfortable talking to the girl that was sitting at the window because it was a girl, it was a female. And I was the guy that was obviously looking like, I don't want to speak to you. And so she starts talking to her, and the girl that was at the window starts looking at me. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do about this? And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't want to do anything about this. Uh, And then all of a sudden, this crazy thing started happening. Uh, Jesus started to speak to me. (laughs) It always goes bad when Jesus starts to speak to you. And he looks at me and he says, hey, John, um, maybe you ought to take over this situation. I was like, but I don't want to take over this situation. So I started talking to the lady, and I'm telling you, this lady was nervous, so nervous that, no kidding, she asked the flight attendant for a drink before we left the ground. (laughs) And, 
And so she's just, she's a nervous wreck, and um, I decide to go ahead and say, hello, what is your name? And the lady at the window is like, oh, yeah, thank you. She put her headphones on and went back to sleep. And then for the next two hours, two hours, I had conversation with this lady. And she was all over the place. She told me every trouble, every trial, every tragedy that she had ever been through inside of her entire life. And the whole time, Jesus is still talking. Hey, John. Hey, Pastor John. <laughs> Only time Jesus has ever called me Pastor John. <laughs> Pastor John, what are you, you going to say something to her about, about me? And I'm like, okay, I got it. So I look at her. And I say, I said, you know what? I felt that way before myself. What do you think about Jesus? And the moment that I said that, the moment that I said, what do you think about Jesus? She immediately said, well, you know what? I, I, I don't consider myself a religious person, but I consider myself a spiritual person. That's, that's kind of, when I was growing up, everybody said they were a religious person. Now everybody says they're their spiritual person. She says, I consider myself a spiritual person. And she went in and explained what all that meant. And and I listened for a few minutes, and then I finally looked at her. I said, but what do you think about Jesus? And she said, well, you know what? I, I grew up. I, I started going to church, and she told me all of her church stories and why she quit going to church and why she hasn't been back. And then I finally looked at her again, and I said, so what do you think about Jesus? And for the next hour and a half, I kept asking the one question, so what do you think about Jesus? And she kept telling me something else. And so finally, I looked at her and said, well, can I tell you what I think about Jesus? And I told her what I thought about Jesus and my relationship with him. Now, I wish this story had some great, wonderful, awesome ending in which um, all of a sudden we prayed the salvation prayer and there was weeping and gnashing of teeth and the entire plane got saved. <laughs> it didn't happen. She didn't even accept Jesus that day. But you know what I know? She heard about it. She heard about him. That will be planted in her for the rest of her life. And I pray this day that she has either found him already or that she will find him. Because what do you think about Jesus? You know, this time of year um, is one of those times when a lot of us, we get kind of trapped into this, don't we? Any of you ever felt like I just felt, and, and you, you felt like you've been trapped in a situation where it's like, I'm not going to get out of this. I have to say something, but I really don't want to talk about Jesus. Anybody ever been in a situation, seriously, because I'm telling you, I have, that was one of them, where you just really, you just wanted to like leave it alone. You did not want to talk about Jesus. Be honest. Raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, I've, I'm telling you, I have just not wanted to talk about him. But you know something at this time of the year, at this season, this place called Christmas it's never easier to talk about Jesus than it is right now. Because it comes up everywhere you go, whether you like it or not. No matter even how much our culture is trying to kind of dismiss Jesus and call this the holiday season. By the way, I don't have a problem with anybody calling, say, looking at me and saying happy holidays. I mean, there's a bunch of them that run together. I, I get that. And I also understand there are people of many different faiths and many different ideas. 
and they believe differently than I believe. However, when somebody looks at me and says, happy holiday, I make it a habit of looking and saying, hey, if you don't mind, I, uh, I celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. Hope you don't mind. And you know, I've never had the objection to that. Not one time. It's so easy. It's so easy this time of year to introduce people to Jesus. Yet the reality is lots of us, including myself, admittedly just then, we have a problem in being able to do this. But I don't think that we're the only ones in all of human history that have had this issue. I don't think that this is a modern issue among the church. I think it's been going around for a long time. In fact, if you look in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 54, there was this guy named Peter. I love Peter. He is so much fun. Peter is always involved in drama. I mean, everywhere you find him in Scripture, he's involved in some type of drama, be it good or bad. P Peter is a drama queen or king. I don't know. Why do we call it drama queen? That's kind of insulting to the ladies, don't you think? Most men I know have more drama than women. Give it up, women. Let's... You're welcome, guys. So Peter's been following around Jesus for three years. Peter has literally been the only disciple that actually walked on water with Jesus. Not only has he seen every miracle that Jesus has done, Peter has walked on water with Jesus. And we get down to this final story of Jesus' life in verse 54 of Luke 22, and it says this, So they arrested him, arrested Jesus, and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. And a servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at, at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter, who'd walked on water with Jesus, Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. Every time I look at my wife and I say, woman, she slaps me. <laughs> Some people in here are obviously pro-spousal abuse. I am not. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Peter walked on water with Jesus. Did I mention that? I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, this is crazy. At that moment, the Lord Jesus turns and looks at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even knew me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. So, folks, we've been doing this for a long time opportunities to declare the name of Jesus, and yet we don't do it.
perfect moments arise to say, I know this guy, and you should know about him too. And yet, we go ahead and we look the other way. I think Peter's story here kind of reveals a few reasons why we don't introduce Jesus to people. Number one, I think that we don't feel good enough often to introduce Jesus to people. I I grew up in a pastor's home, so I kind of had this thing every once in a while where I'm flipping through the cable stations and I get uh, I, and I'm going through kind of the religious networks uh, that are available there, where all the preachers are preaching, and and uh, it it kind of waxes nostalgic for me. And so I'll stop every once in a while. One of the old preachers that I used to hear growing up, and not too long ago, um, one of those old preachers was there. His name was Dr. D. James Kennedy. He was the founder of Evangelism Explosion, in which they would go out and they would share Jesus with thousands upon thousands of people. And there's no doubt that thousands upon thousands of people have come to know Christ because of the way that he taught people to share Jesus with others. And I was listening to him in this particular message And he said they had done a study at one point to determine why it was that people did not share their faith. Why did they not tell other people about Jesus? And what they concluded from this study was the number one reason why people did not share their faith was because they did not feel good enough. Because they were not living life God's way because they were living life in sin. Here's the truth. If you're currently having an affair you probably aren't sharing Jesus. Men, if you're finding yourself looking at pornography on a regular basis, I'll bet you you're not sharing Jesus. If you're sitting there at the bar and what you're trying to do is drink away all of the pain, you're probably not sharing Jesus with the person that's sitting next to you. Because when we feel like that there's stuff in our lives that doesn't belong there, guess what? We don't share Jesus. Why would we share about the perfect person who's changed our lives when obviously he hasn't changed our lives? Then the second reason why I think oftentimes we don't really share Jesus is because we don't really know and really love Jesus. I mean, Peter had walked on the water with Jesus. He had seen all of his miracles. Peter was the one that had declared him the son of God when none of the other disciples could figure out the right answer. But when it was all said and done, Peter at this final moment, when you would have believed that Jesus needed somebody to stand by him at at the most important time is denying that he's even there. And the question at that stage becomes, did Peter really even know and love, really love Jesus? Now, I will say this for those of us who have been in church for a long time. We may know a lot about Jesus. We can describe him in all of the ways that the Bible describes him. And we could list all kinds of adjectives that would say this is who Jesus is. We may know about about him, but the question is, do we really know him? I will go ahead and tell you right now, I know more about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton than I ever wanted to know. Am I right? I know all about them, but I do not know them. I've never met them. I've never shaken their hand. I've never had a discussion. We've never talked. 
I know about them, but I don't know them. And I have a feeling that there's a whole lot of people that fill churches on Sunday mornings, that they know a lot about him, but we really don't know him, and thus we don't share him. We, uh, we've got to do more than just know about him. This right here is one of the most special items in our house. This is one of those, if you've ever thought about it, and I know that some of you have been through the horrendous um, reality of, of maybe losing everything that you had in a house fire. And I know that one of the questions that oftentimes comes up is, like, if there's a house fire about to take place, what is the one or two things you want to make sure you grab? And uh, this is one of the things I would want to make sure that we grab, if we could, not putting ourselves in danger. Meanwhile, if your house is on fire, get out. <laughs> but I'd want to make sure that we grab this. This is a jewelry box that I bought for my wife, and it was special because I gave it to her on the night that I proposed. Can I get you to stick around for the next two services? This is the jewelry box. Uh, it, 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 what a wonderful world is what it plays when you open it up. I didn't know it was wound up. Uh-oh. Uh, but here's the most amazing thing about this is that in this jewelry box on the night that I proposed to her, I gave it to her, and she started to open it up. And on the inside were all these little sh strips of paper. It says, I love you because... You're courageous. These are still the same strips of paper, by the way. I love you because there is not enough paper. I love you because you're a brat. I love you because you're prayerful. And there's about 50 more in there. Oh, I was a man. Now, let me go ahead and give my sister the credit because I called her up. I said, I need something good. Now, wouldn't that have been amazing at the end of that entire time of us together, me giving her this jewelry box, it playing What a Wonderful World, her hearing all of the reasons why I loved her. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Just that would have been a good date, wouldn't it, ladies? Huh? But it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have made for a marriage or an engagement. Because there's one thing you got to do. you got to put your money where your mouth is. Am I right? At the bottom of all that, set this box with this ring. And then I got down and I did what you're supposed to do. Will you... Seriously, you are sticking it around for the next two services. <laughs> and I said, will you marry me? And it's amazing once you find that person, right, that you love so much, that is so special to you, it is amazing how much you want to talk about them, isn't it? I mean, you go everywhere. Like, I mean, I went home. I was showing pictures to everybody. Like, this is my girl right here. Isn't she hot? Oh, yeah. I got good taste. Look at her. She's beautiful. Man, she's so smart, and she's so brilliant, and she's so kind, and she's so loving, and she loves Jesus, and you just can't help but talk about that person, can you? 
That's what it means when you really know somebody. That's what it means when you really, really love somebody. So the question is, if we love Jesus that much, if we know him that much, then wouldn't we talk about him the same way? Wouldn't we show him off in our lives in the exact same way? The reality is a lot of us might not really know him. There's a test for this, I believe, in Scripture. It's Galatians chapter 5. I've given you this test before. But I believe the test in Scripture is, is, is not really a, a facts-based test. It really is more of an emotional-based test. And I know a lot of times we hear, listen, you know, worry about what your brain says, not what your heart says. But this is one of those times when I think it's, it's worth noting what your heart says. Because in Galatians chapter 5, here's the test. And I'm not going to read it all for you, but I want you to go back this afternoon as your homework, and I want you to read Galatians chapter 5. And basically, Galatians chapter 5 says this, do you feel love in your life? Is the large majority of your life spent feeling love? Is it spent feeling joy? Is it spent feeling peace? Do you feel patience? Do you feel kindness? Do you feel goodness? Do you feel gentleness, faith, self-control? These are fruits of the Spirit. When we know Jesus, the Spirit of the living God lives inside of us, and it produces these fruits. And if we don't know Jesus, and most of our life is not spent feeling that way, then guess what? We might need to do a double take. We might need to say, hey, do I really, really know Jesus? Here's the great thing about it. Maybe you've claimed to know him for a long time. Maybe you're hearing about him for the first time this morning. But there is a way forward. There is a way to not be stuck in this I'm ashamed of Jesus place, especially at a time of Christmas when it's easiest to share Jesus with people. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, it tells the follow-up story to Peter's denial. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. I mean, think of it, if you're on Jesus' side of this story right now, does he? <laughs> does he really know? that he loves him, and Peter's looking and saying, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Like, I just told you, I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And I'm sure that Jesus was hurt that Peter had denied him three times. He said, Lord, you know everything. You knew before you even started asking these questions, Jesus, you knew, you know what my heart is all about. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. 
I tell you the truth that when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. According to tradition, it would have been crucifixion. Then Jesus told him, follow me. There's redemption for those of us who have been ashamed of Jesus. There's a way back. We can repent. We can decide that we truly do love Jesus, and then we can do exactly what Jesus said. Go feed my sheep. Follow me. What did Jesus do when he was going places and his disciples were following him? He was telling people about the great awesome opportunity to have their lives transformed and changed through the salvation of himself. People that love Jesus tell other people about Jesus. So how can we do that this Christmas season? How can we tell other people about Jesus? Well, I want you to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Because Peter radically has changed now. Peter has now gone out and he has proven at this point, that he loves Jesus. And this is the ultimate test of that. He's standing there in front of a huge crowd of people who have basically challenged how the Spirit is working among people of faith. Peter looks out at this crowd, and he begins to preach. The same Peter that denied Jesus is now preaching. And look what he says in verse 22. He says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him as well um, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to the cross and killed him. Wow, this is not the type of preacher that lots of people would come to hear nowadays. He just accused everybody of killing Jesus. But they did. So did we. And God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Peter is now proclaiming Jesus. He's proven his love. He's proven this relationship that he's had with this one that he has followed so long. And I believe he gives us a couple of clues this Christmas season when it's easy to talk about Jesus, how we too can go about doing so. Number one, introduce Jesus early. This point is not my point. This point comes from our dear pastor. Because I've heard him multiple times say, you know, the hardest thing for me is to be able to get the word Jesus out of my mouth when I'm sharing. This is our pastor. If I can get the word Jesus out, then it all becomes a lot more simple. And so I started thinking about it. Is this true? This guy is smart. I'm not just saying that because he's in here. I'm not just saying that. It's true. If we could just get Jesus out early, if we'll just say his name early on inside of a conversation. I mean, let's face it. People are always telling you their problems, aren't they? How many of you, you got people telling them, they're telling you their problems? Just raise your hand. Seriously. If you do not raise your hand and people are not telling you your problems, that means you are not a nice person and you have a problem. 
Because people, people like to tell their problems, don't they? And they start telling their problems exactly like the lady on the airplane. Dear God, I heard all those problems for two hours. They start telling you their problems. And what better opportunity to look at them and say, you know what? Number one, I've felt that way before too. Now, don't look at them and say, I know how you feel. That's a terrible thing to say. But look at them and say, I know how, I, I felt that way before too. Because I guarantee you, whether it's sorrow that they're feeling, anxiety, anger, fear, you felt that, haven't you? As human beings, we've all felt the same exact ways. So look at them and say, I've felt that way before too. And then just simply ask the question, so what do you think about Jesus? Just introduce it. I had a college professor. I went to a Christian college. So I sure hope uh, he was a Christian. Uh, he was, certainly was. An amazing Christ follower. And uh, he was one of my science professors. And he was telling us a story one day about when he was back in college at a secular university. He had a, a friend uh, of his that was a dorm mate um, and was also, uh, you know, also uh, studying the sciences and was basically an atheist. And so every single night they would, like, get together and they would be arguing science versus God and how God works inside of science and all of those types of things. Just arguing it back and forth. Then he was absolutely convinced that he had to convince his friend about how God works through the sciences before he could ever introduce his friend to Jesus. So one particular weekend, he invited his friend home with him to a family barbecue. And they went home, and this, my college professor, his dad was a pastor. And they're at this family barbecue, and before long, my college professor noticed that his friend was kind of standing over there um, talking with his dad. And he was just thinking to himself, oh, boy, what is going on now? My atheist friend talking to, talking to uh, my dad, the pastor. This can't be good. Knowing all the arguments that he'd already been through. Little while later, um, his dad walks over to him with his friend, and he, and um, his friend basically looks at him and says, "Hey, I, you know, I just accept, I just accepted Jesus Christ into my life." <laughs> he said, "You know what I learned that day? Jesus early, huh?" Maybe rather than talk about all the other stuff and all of the other problems and all that other stuff, how do you feel about Jesus? I felt the way you feel before. How do you feel about Jesus? Jesus early, and then the second one is speak of Jesus often. Every single time that somebody's going to, when, you, when, you, when they say, hey, well, you know what, I went to church. Well, I listen to them and then say, well, what about Jesus? Well, you know, I had this experience in life, and I'm kind of a spiritual person. Well, what about Jesus? I'm a religious person. Well, what do you think about Jesus? Always bring it back to Jesus first and Jesus only. 
bring it back to Jesus. You say, I don't know how to share my faith. I just told you. Just bring it back to Jesus over and over and over again. There's no greater joy that you will have in your life as a Christ follower than when you start to openly and authentically share Jesus with other people. There, the Bible talks about having an abundant life. How many of you would like to have an abundant life? And I'm not talking about finances or resources or any of that. You'd like to have an abundant life. You cannot have it if you do not share Jesus. Because that is the ultimate abundance the ultimate joy of what we get to do as followers of Jesus Christ. And I've told you the reasons why already that we don't. We may not know him. If you don't know him today, at the end of the service, there's going to be people right over here to my right and your left that would love to talk with you about that. But if you do know him, Jesus first, Jesus only. I had been in a Christian bubble for a very, very, very long time. It had been since high school, since I'd really been around people of other faiths or other ideas or other concepts. And all the way through college and into my early part of my ministry, I had just lived inside of this Christian bubble. And then I had the chance to join this leadership group of young leaders in the city of Corpus Christi, Texas that I was living in. And the first night that we all got together, for this leadership development course. At the end of it, a bunch of them started looking and saying, hey, listen, you guys want to go out after we're done? Let's go. Let's get to know each other, meet, you know, talk. And I was thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, tomorrow is Sunday morning. I'm going to end up staying out late. I don't, I don't really want to do this. But I was like, okay, you know, I need to get to know people. And so I went out with this entire group. Inside of this group was a huge diversity of people. Uh, we had a Corpus Christi police officer uh, who is actually now the chief of police. Uh, we had a journalist. We had a, a devout, devout Catholic. We had a devout um, traditional Jew. Uh, we, we had a, somebody that attended the First Baptist Church of Corpus Christi, Texas, and, and a pastor. It sounds like, It sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Uh, all these people walking into a bar, what do you get? So here we are, we all, we go, we sit down, and we start talking that night. And this was about 12, 13 years ago, somewhere around there. Don't Google it, I probably got it wrong. But uh, the Da Vinci Code was big. Remember when the Da Vinci Code was big? The Da Vinci Code was huge. The movie was just coming out. I had just read the book to kind of try to keep up with the times and what people were talking about. And all of a sudden, one of the people at the table looked at me and said, Oh, hey, Pastor John. So what do you think about the Da Vinci Code? I said, Well, first of all, I said, I think it's important to note that you, that you will find it in the fiction area of the bookstore. I said, but I think it raises a whole lot of interesting questions, and I love anything that helps me talk about Jesus. And over the course of the next couple of hours, literally, was all of these diverse people. Only one of them was a believer, besides myself, asking questions about Jesus. 
and me getting the opportunity to answer questions about Jesus. But what I learned the most that night, it was the guy that was from First Baptist Church, the other believer that sat there so uncomfortable, you could have, I mean, it was bad. He was squirming in his seat the entire time. He tried to change the subject over and over again. And the craziest part is I wasn't trying to keep it on subject, but people would bring it back to another question about Jesus. Can I tell you something? The world's a whole lot less scared of Jesus than we are. And if we'll introduce Jesus early, Jesus often, whenever he gives us the opportunity, if we'll look at people and say, I felt that way before. What do you think about Jesus? Ladies and gentlemen, we will change the world, and we will accomplish what Christmas is all about. I'm going to ask if you would please to just stand for just a moment. Right down here up front, um, we've got, uh, and we're going to have some folks down here to help pass these out to make sure that you get them, but we've got these little uh, keychain fobs. And basically, it says Jesus for the world on one side, and it says Jesus early, Jesus often on the other. How many of you, you've got somebody right now in your life you know has got problems, sorrow, heartache, hurt, pain, loneliness? Just raise your hand. Jesus early, Jesus often, that's the answer. That's the, that's the message of hope this Christmas. We're going to use this as a reminder, and if you've got somebody in your life right now that it's one of those categories that, you're, that you hear the Spirit speaking to you saying, it is my job to go and to share with that person, then would you do me a favor? Would you just come down here and grab one of these? Put it on your keychain as your reminder, but just come, just don't be afraid. There you go. I love the, I love it, the, the brave people that step out first. Just come grab one and just as you grab one, just kind of scoot back a little bit and give some other room for people to grab one, but just stay right here. And if you can't get all the way down here to get one, then you know what? We'll make sure you get one on your way out. We'll have people that are passing them out too. But just come down. You've got somebody in your life you know you're going to be sharing Jesus with this Christmas season or you're going to have the opportunity to do it with. Come grab one of these as a reminder and just hang out for just a moment. Here's what I want you to do. Just hold it up in the air for just a second. This represents that person that the Spirit's already spoken to you about, a person that maybe this Christmas season you'll have the opportunity to share Jesus with. Now, I want you to look at how many people, did you notice how many people came down and grabbed one of these this morning? Folks, if this many people go out and share Jesus from the Church of Severn Run this Christmas season, we just started a brand new service at the Church of Severn Run. Am I right? Heavenly Father, may we take this seriously. May we go out this Christmas season and in every opportunity that we have, any time that somebody shares with us our sorrow or our pain or what they're going through, may we just take the time to say, I felt that way before. What do you think about Jesus? God, I pray that every one of us, including myself, who even I, God, 
have such a problem sometimes being so proud of you, of your son. Forgive me for that, but God, change me in that. Change all of us in that. And may this be a season in which we say the name Jesus early and we say the name Jesus often. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.